Welcome to Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and hoping for my jab in the arm as soon as possible. I'm mm. Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. Tricks are supposed to be for kids, but we got to do what we got to do. Uh, today on the show, we're, we're talking with ourselves. We're going <laughs> through uh, the year of, uh, of, well, the year of many things. The bad year, as my daughter uh, called it. But yeah, we, I thought we should catch up the two of us, reflect a little bit on this year. And uh, for our listeners' sake, I think I've maybe said this before, but the, uh, a significant percentage of our guests come from people that I meet out networking, which is a significant part of my job, being out networking. And you can imagine in 2020, uh, I haven't been out and uh, networking is very hindered when your only means are online. People people do it. I, in fact, I think there's a lot of introverts who are having their best networking year of their lives. Yes. This year. Um, <laughs> but uh, as an extrovert, not, not, not so much. Um, anyhow, it has been a heck of a year. And uh, Rachel, first of all, how are you doing? And then we can dive into a couple other topics. But are you are you hanging in there? I am hanging in there. I mean, I the news about how the vaccine is getting rolled out and all that stuff is all over the place. So it's difficult to know how excited to about 2021 to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am one of the aforementioned introverts. It's, I think it's one of the reasons that you and I do so well on this podcast is you're the extrovert and I'm the introvert. And we have we have a good overlap in our roles and the things that we bring to it. Um, and I'm... I've been, and I said this to you in the Rand Slack, but I have been really happy to have you as a, a conversational partner this year and in previous years, obviously. It's been a good way for me to like hear from people and talk to people about particular topics, which is what introverts like in general. You know, I'm generalizing, but I love to talk when there's some specific topic to talk about mm-hmm. when we have when we have discussions. So Thank you for inviting me to do this way back when. And um, thank you for continuing to find us awesome guests to talk to. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Well, okay. hopefully <laughs> in 2021, we, we get out there a little bit more, find some more people. Stuff starts to turn around. Uh, hopefully, definitely by this time next year, life looks very different. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have had, it has been a rough year. There's been times where um, I think I mentioned, you know, this summer, we we left for Florida and when I got in the car to go to Florida, I like I like was in tears. Like just yeah. leaving home was such a relief because it felt like I was just locked inside and I was miserable yeah. and dying. And um we came back and Colorado had opened up quite a bit. You know, restaurants were open for outdoor seating and there was it felt responsible to meet somebody in a beer garden. Um, and then <laughs> cold happened and numbers spiked and it got miserable again. And like, oh, my gosh. So yeah. it's been it's been a roller coaster for me when it's good. It's fine. It hasn't been real good. Like I would probably kill to be in a room with you know 100 people and just hug everybody it's um, so weird oh i mean the hugging I mean, great. <laughs> but being in a just, room with 100 people <laughs> just to be able to walk up to a group of people talking abruptly and awkwardly interrupt them and ask them questions and then when the conversation's going really well abruptly and awkwardly walk away like what <laughs> why, why do i miss that uh but i do desperately um, and that's why people remember you <laughs> <laughs> i i <laughs> wow 
Um, <laughs> I learned. Uh, yeah. Well, so it's been it's been a serious roller coaster. But talk about. I mean, what has been good this year? Let's focus a little yeah. bit on that. Like for for you, maybe a couple of things. Uh, top two things. Top five things. What sticks yeah. out in your head that was good this year? Not not podcast related. Just life. Yeah. yeah. Well, I uh, and you talked about this when it happened, but my husband and I bought a house, and it's the first house I've ever purchased. Yeah. And it is still, you know, where this was back in April and it's now the end of December and I love it still. It's great. Beautiful. View. Have you, just have you had great. any, have you had any explosions? Like like three weeks into owning this house, we had a water pipe burst and like drain all over the basement. And it, we were three weeks in and it's my first time ever owning a house. So uh-huh. I'm curious if, uh, if you've had any exciting, oh shit, I'm a homeowner experiences yet, or if it's been pretty mm-hmm. smooth sailing. Nothing major. Just a, a couple of weeks ago, we did discover we had a leak in um, one of the heating systems. This house has, it has oil heating and also uh, gas, like propane outside, because the city does not have a gas service. And it also has electricity, like regular electric service. So all sorts of things could be going wrong. It has in-floor heating, that kind of stuff. Uh, so the he- the water heater for the in-floor heating had a leak and we had to get someone in here to fix it. Uh, so was that it damaging was damaging the floor. No, but it was leaking. So we wanted to get ahead of it. And, you yeah. know, since it's winter and we want to make sure that the heating still continues to work. Uh, but that was super low key. I think we had, um, Oh, we needed to replace all the locks because we didn't know, you know, how many people might actually have lock keys to our house sure. once we moved in. And that was kind of difficult during pandemic, but, we were able to find someone eventually. This is a small town. So yeah, nothing exploded. Uh, this is a relatively new house, which I'm really also pleased about because this is a pretty yeah. old town. Lots of Victorians here. And I'm like, they're beautiful, but oh my goodness, so much maintenance. Sure, sure. So oh yeah, yeah, that was well, one good thing. While, somebody guts it down to like just the bricks and then rebuilds the whole inside. So it looks really cool, but it's basically a modern home. In, uh, yeah, in, in old skin. Um, that image just got way creepier than I meant it to be. But anyways, um, what else, what, what, what else was good this year? Good. Well, um, I have, well, I've always been someone who enjoys cooking. Um, Mm -hmm. and for the first couple of months of the pandemic, when restaurants were only allowed to do takeout, we did takeout every other day. And I got really tired of the same four restaurants because this is a small town, as I mentioned, uh, but then when they were allowed to, uh, to have people come sit outside and they actually opened up for in-person, like indoor dining for a little while, but we did not uh, engage in any of that. So I was able to start cooking again and mm. I got just, it was just a real pleasure to again, get back into that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of people don't enjoy meal planning, but I do. <laughs> so mm. it, it has been a fun, it was a way for me to like assert control over a part of my life that I, I feel like I need to have control over. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, that doesn't sound necessarily like the greatest, funnest thing, but it was actually very good for my morale. I was really beginning to flag around, yeah. you know, the end of July. And I'm like, tired of eating the same four things. I'm really tired of it. Um, so, yeah, that was yeah. good. It was a good changeover. Um, and and as a part of that, uh, I was I started making my own bread instead of buying it. Like I'd made bread before. But I, or are you doing I the did sourdough a bit. Yeast? I did sourdough <laughs> a bit. <laughs> yeah, the cheater's yeast. Uh, yeah, yeah, I started with sourdough, sourdough a little bit. got it working, and I was like, yeah, this is a bit too much pain in the butt to keep. And then they started having 
yeast available in the stores again. So now I just make bread with cheater's yeast. Yes. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> and that okay. has been fun. And are you making white bread or are you making like calzones? What's the, I mean, what, what, what are the, are you, anything fancy? Is it loaf bread and just on repeat? Are you making anything else? Uh, well, I am primarily using uh, whole grains. I live in the Pacific Northwest and there is a, uh, a fairly well-known, historically was a cider garden and farm called uh, Finn River. And it's a beautiful place. Definitely recommend visiting it when it is safe to do so. But they also uh, took on a, um, a a wheat farm, a grain farm. And so they have a CSA that is continuing through the winter of, you know, you get like several different bags, three pound bags of custom ground local grains. Uh, so I've yep. been using those a lot and learning how hard it is to cook with whole wheat versus like super polished white flour and the differences. And yeah, so I've been mostly making what it, what we call square bread in the house, which is in a, a Pullman pan that has a lid. So it is good for sandwiches, which is what my husband likes. Uh, but I also have occasionally made other things and it's been good. Okay. Like just recently I made English muffins and it was, they're really delicious. I'm definitely going to make those again. Yeah. I, I stopped making bread this summer. I was I did sourdough for about a year, and I still I froze the sourdoughs when when we went to Florida. I froze the sourdough oh. and stopped, and I never picked it back up. And uh, maybe it's time to do that again. I I did I did try like homemade pulled noodles a couple of times, Ooh, but uh, not to much success. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it takes yeah. practice. That's the thing it's, I liked uh, about having like a this opportunity to make bread every two or three days, which is what I do now. Uh, for one thing, if, if you don't eat it within three or four days, the bread starts to go yeah. moldy because there's not any preservatives. I have a bread box. Pretty awesome. Never had a bread box before. Now we go. have often like things are bigger than it. Your things are smaller than it. <laughs> you know, the usual bread box jokes. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I've learned. I have this cycle and it was enough to really teach me what works and what doesn't work about different kinds of grains. And so that's been super fun. Yeah. And yeah, did you did you develop your starter from scratch or did you get it from someone else? Uh, I did that years ago, um, like 10 years ago, I made bread for a couple of years and I, I did the develop it from scratch thing and I didn't want to wait for that. So I, yeah. I think I think I bought like a King Arthur starter and they just ship oh, it to you. And, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, hey, it works. It's still doing its thing. Well, I mean, it would be. I don't know, man. That's cheaters uh, eat scandal. That's cheater King Arthur uh, sourdough that I didn't sourdough. come up with from the, yeah. I mean, I like to think back in the day, people would like, hey, can I borrow a piece of your yeast to get started? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that was, yeah. you know, friendship bread. People can't get rid of enough of it, right? It's the same that's right, thing. That's right, that's right. Well, so we don't hardly eat bread is the problem. Uh, mm -hmm. When I bake it, then we eat some more. But we're, we're very low on grains uh, just in general in the family. So it's not mm -hmm. a... Not a thing. If if we ate more bread, it would feel like a better investment of my time. <laughs> no, no, I understand. But, uh, I kind of wish we did eat more bread because I enjoy the process of making it. But it is yeah. the same. Like I like to cook, and there's only two of us, right. and so there's you know I have to kind of rein in my desire. I mean, historically, what I would do is I would have a ton of parties, and then people would come and eat the things that I cook. I used to back in the day, we used to have a dinner party every Wednesday night, and people wow. would randomly come over. It was an open invite, and. I was always able to feed everyone. It was so fun to just be like, I have 12 people coming over. What can I make with what I have in my pantry? It is, my house mm -hmm. is always well stocked because of that. Uh, and yeah, I miss I miss that. I've been dropping off like pastry gifts to all of my local neighbors and friends because I we can't we can't eat all that. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Making and baking and sharing. That's my daughter has gotten big into baking and uh we can give her a recipe and she'll do anything. And like yeah. even like uh last week she wanted to make an apple pie and insisted on making the crust from scratch, which hey, go for it if you're you know, and, and it's nice yeah. to it's nice that she's done it enough. We can literally just be like, Okay. Yeah, it's gonna be edible. Yeah, and she does, and it's good. Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, anything else that stands out? Uh, No, I, I, I mean, I don't know if you feel this, but I definitely feel weird about talking about how things have been good for me this year because I know that, and 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 this is such a weird, you know, human guilt. Maybe it's based on our religious backgrounds. Maybe it's based on something else. But like, it should be okay to enjoy things and have had a good experience if it hasn't been at the expense of others. But I, I can't be sure, you know, yeah, yeah. that it wasn't at the expense of someone else, me being fortunate, me having uh, finally achieved this goal that I've had for my whole life to live in a house with an amazing water view. Like, I'm semi-retired. I'm 50, I'm about to be 51. And uh, mm-hmm. like, that's so rad, right? <laughs> But I yeah. can't, it's hard for me to like lift up and look at that when I am seeing what is going on. And uh, yeah. I, it's good that you're asking these questions because it's hard for me to think about it that way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have a lot of things that went well for me this year. My partner and I get along so well that we don't, you know, we haven't had any difficulties dealing with, yep. you know, external, like people have a, have had a lot of trouble um, managing the expectations of for us, their in-laws when they, people want to come over and it's not safe and like all this stuff is yeah. really complicated and difficult. And I'm so grateful that I did not have to deal with any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has been really great too. We have enough space to have our own, you know, time apart inside this house. We haven't had yeah. to arrange trips away to try and get our space. You know, yeah. I I can't, it's hard for me to talk about how lucky I am because people in general are not this lucky. Yep. So, so yeah. So thanks yeah. for asking. <laughs> thanks for yeah. making me feel bad. Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> and and I you? hope that everything you feel good about, you feel good about with a healthy pile of Christian guilt. Oh, that's uh, right. That's, that's a joke. I'm um, so good at that. <laughs> gosh, what are the things that, that I feel good about? I mean, you know, I'm a, a big part of what I'm like, thankful for this year is that my kids are not like if you're in high school and you know like even my my junior high kid is having a really hard time and she's extroverted and she loves being around people and never knew how much she liked school until school was taken away and uh and it's it's hard seeing her have a hard time i mean i i think i tweeted something like you know on christmas morning um, what year is it? And she said, it's the bad one. That's all I need to share. And I'm like, Oh, that's so sad. Um, but, uh, but I do think, I think a lot about the people who are like high school kids are like, imagine if this is your freshman year in college. Um, and like, this would be terrible. Anyways, there's, there's a lot of people for whom it's a lot rougher. So I'm glad, I'm glad kids are not getting this disease or with, with any kind of significant ramifications. And, uh, uh, and that they're the ages that they are. I mean, although I was talking to somebody recently, I do think we would all be responding very, very differently. The country would have come together and united over this thing if kids were getting sick. Um, Maybe. I, I, think would be a, I think the vaccine would be a no question if kids were getting sick. Uh, I think, you know, if kids were getting sick and dying, nobody would be asking these questions. But yeah. 
I think there are a lot of other reasons for that, but. (laughs) Sure. I'm glad kids are not getting sick and dying. Um, No, I think like the things that I think of are, yes, you know, the trips that I took, uh, getting, you know, we did go to Glenwood Springs, even just for a night. Uh, Normally we do that right now in the year, like right over New Year, we go up and stay for four days and we're not going to go. Yeah, we're not going to go this year because the restaurants are all closed and there's, you know, I don't want to go be locked in a hotel and walk across to a hot spring that's super locked down and not very fun to be in because it's uh you got to stand outside in the cold and uh you know we have a whole process around it and we like to take the train up there and we can't do that and anyways um but the trips like just getting out of dodge when we've done it has been a big deal um biking i've been doing a tremendous amount of biking i started the pandemic with two bikes and i currently own five um (laughs) how many guitars do you have (laughs) I only have one guitar. Wow, uh, I not... like having one, two tattoos. <laughs> That's right. I I did start the pandemic with a trombone that I returned pretty early in because you know what you don't do when there's six people who are at home all the time, practice your trombone when everybody in the other room yelling even through the closed doors like, you sound terrible, dad. Um, So that that went back. But um, I got into mountain biking again for, you know, it's been a couple years and the front range of Colorado mountain biking is a little bit different than mountain biking anywhere else I've ever mountain biked. Like it's just... That shit crazy, huge boulders that you're going over and off all the time and you really need a different kind of bike. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, and um, gosh, there's probably a whole host of other things. Oh, I got a dog. In yeah. The and it almost got stung by a bee or by a wasp during one of our episodes. That was when we were dog sitting a friend's dog oh. a year ago before. But I'm that never going to forget that because it was just... No, my dog's been great. He, we got a um, Australian Shepherd from a rescue, and uh, he was as trained as he will ever be when he came home from that rescue. He's our, he's our oops baby, right? We have four kids that are all grown, and this is our like, yeah, we can spoil it. It doesn't matter. Eh, it's you yeah. know, um, so yeah. So that's that's what's been good. Um, yeah. Anyways, you've made the most uh, of the time that you have had. That is pretty well, much doing. D- it's it's totally just a like grit my teeth and get the fuck through it i'm not there is nothing about this that i'm enjoying it has been absolutely miserable for me um Mm. but uh but there have been some high points come on there has been some high points in the terrible um do you do you you try and like focus on the joyful moments because i have i so i until the weather turned gross and that was only just like a couple days ago really i've been going out for long walks i guess that's the thing that i have enjoyed this year is mm -hmm. getting out and walking around my town like i am not a a physical person i'm pretty strong but i have no endurance at all so i'm walking up a hill also i hate looking like i can't do something which Mm -hmm. is definitely the case when when you're talking about walking up a steep hill without stopping no and on that note, since we're not climbing uphill uh, fast at all, and Rachel's internet cut out for a moment, let's take a break and look back at a few highlights from earlier in this year, starting with Gibran Kudik. But anyway, yeah. so carry on. No, no, no. I, I, love, I love talking to people about what their 
what they're hoping for. And I'm a really, I tend to be a really transparent person. And so when I'm interviewing people, I'm not trying to sell. I'm trying to focus on like, is this a thing that you'd actually be interested in doing? And does this help you get to the next level? Because that's always Mm -hmm. been a thing for me is I've always struggled with what's my next level? Where do I want to, you know, I'm taking this job with the focus on what comes next. And I love coaching people through that. Mm -hmm. And so hiring is this opportunity to have that conversation over and over again with all sorts of different people. So I've always enjoyed that part, telling people, look, I kind of work for your resume you know i want to make you better than i found you and i want you to get that experience here so totally yeah i get it kendall sorry well and yeah being i mean i i'm amused by the not 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 amused in a bad way but the you know you you go from netflix to root insurance in ohio and you could have you could have taken with you an attitude of um thank you for applying at root insurance company we're fucking root insurance company. Convince me you deserve to work here. I mean, that's like so not plastic. altogether uncommon, right? <laughs> right? And instead, you're like, let, let you know. And and part of it is it's it's rude. It's not Netflix or you know, uh, it's not some huge name probably. And and maybe in Columbus it is now if it's a pretty big corporation. But um, like, did was it hard to maintain that just care for people attitude, or did you feel like that was natural for you? I mean, I think. Uh... For me, that's that's just the way that I approach relationships, I guess. I think that that part of it was that it was I really had to convince you that this was a good idea, right? Like there's already so much fear around startups. You don't know if a startup is going to be here three weeks afterwards uh, after you join. Uh, I'd already been through that experience. And so I wanted to make sure people really knew what they were getting into. And so um it was always really easy to just be honest with people about this is what it's going to be like. This is what I'm hoping to get from you being here. This is what I, I hope you can get out of being here. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a lot of time to practice your pitch. Yeah, I had a lot of conversations. <laughs> and Tessa Ann Taylor. Um, and that's something that I struggle. I have struggled with many times um, in in making a decision to leave uh, as a manager or as a team leader in particular. Um, cause there, you know, again, it's an awesome responsibility. And so there's a, there's a cost when you make a decision like that. Uh, and so that's sort of why I talk about, uh, culture fit is if I feel like there's an avenue for me to affect this change, absolutely. I'll stay. Um, hmm. I'll affect change. I will make an, an organization or a team better, or at least in my image of better, um, if there isn't, or if what I'm trying to do is fundamentally at odds with whatever level of management is relevant. Uh, I won't. And that to me is not me failing to protect the people under me. That is the company failing to protect them. And Mm. I'm stepping out of the way of that uh, because it's not my burden. Now let's go to Rishi Malik. Authority is just, it's, it's a concept that's there, right? There are tons of people that have authority over me you know, because I, I both let them, but because they're, they're better than me at, you know, millions of things, right. You know, they're authority. And so I will defer to them, you know, as much as I can and, and listen to them. And that, that is like great authority to me. That is, that is what you want. That's the, the try and that's the, the type of leader I try and be, you know, less of like, uh, you're going to listen to me because, you know, I'm your boss. And if you don't, you don't get paid. That's part of it, but it's not the, that's not how you make a good team. That's not how you, that's not how you do something amazing. You know, it, it's when you, it's when you can be a leader without having that authority that to me, it really starts to click when, when people listen because, you know, you're, you're giving them a vision they buy into. You're giving them a reason 
you're helping them with something. Your expertise in what you do is more knowledgeable than theirs. To me, that's that's both the authority I like, and that's the authority I'm willing to uh, to accede and to to go along with. Corey Quinn. Uh, one of the things that I've learned is that the larger the company is, the more narrowly defined your remit becomes. Conversely, the higher you rise within an organization, the fewer options you have and the less you can actually achieve things directly. For example, you take a look at, an, at a high-level exec at most companies. All they can really do is influence and cajole. They, they don't sit down and bust out a system themselves that solves the problem. They have to inspire, encourage, and one way or another, they're on the hook for delivery, but they have less and less actual control over what that delivery looks like. And Jeremy Bowers. A level of managing up in here that I think is worth that is worth exploring, right? Because like, um, I feel like my job is not to be an efficient conduit from top to bottom. I'm supposed to be a very inefficient conduit, right? Like I should have a ton of friction on my, on my, on my own. <laughs> yeah, right, right. There should be a lot I of, I like this of way of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I am a very inefficient conductor and anytime that there's like a, a big spike in, uh, in wattage or amperage or whatever it is, I immediately turn back around and like want to have that conversation. Beata Punchevic. And I had this slow epiphany that uh, really the only thing I can do to be successful is to hire the right people and put them in the right places and enable them to sort of see past their barriers. Um, and without that, there's just absolutely no way um, I would succeed at anything because I can't control everything. So, so you just said like walking up a hill without stopping, no, yeah. and then you literally quit the browser and uh, just disappeared. Like, fuck no, <laughs> hills. No, I mean, so what I was talking about at the time before Squadcast <laughs> decided my internet wasn't there uh, is that uh, I so I started walking around in my town and I just decided to go ahead and do it by myself. Got my audiobook, gonna go walk around. And I get, you know, climb the hill from my house because my house is on a steep hill. Getting to the top of the hills and looking around at all the beautiful views. And I, I, it just has helped a lot. It has helped a great deal for me to acknowledge that things can still be amazing, to, mm -hmm. uh, to take a moment and savor the joy. And I get the impression that you get that from when you're, you know, you're out mountain biking and you do something awesome or you see a great view. You, you were taking your daughter out biking, you know, to kind of get her out of the house. Um, and it, it seemed like you were having some good moments there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's things that, um, and, and that's part of what's harder in the winter, right? Is it's, yeah. it's a lot harder to mountain bike. Uh, the snow's got to melt to a sufficient level and it, it, it does that here and there, but, um, there'll only be an opportunity once a month or so to yeah. get out mountain biking on a weekend. But, uh, um, there's opportunity to go do things that delight me. It's just that for me, at least very little delights me quite as much as being around people. Yeah. And, uh, like, yeah. I, you know, there's been some intense things this year, some of them COVID related, some of them not at work. Right. And so I can have stressful weeks at work. That's a normal part of life. How do I cope with that? I go meet people for lunch yeah. and about once a week I go to a huge meetup and I can walk into a meetup as tired and drained as, as 
can be. And I pour a beer and I sit down with friends and an hour later, I feel like a million bucks and I come home energized and it's hard to go to sleep. Yeah, That's super that. cool. Uh, yeah, That's super yeah. cool. And you will be able to do that again. You will. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. But, yeah. but for now it's, I saw this thing on Twitter. It was a person that had just gotten their masters of social work. Uh, and it said something like, um, Hey, I just completed my master's of social work, or maybe it was some certification related to it. And I'm here to tell you that the substance you're using to get through this pandemic is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm sure for some it's not, but, uh, but it was, a. I mean, yeah. you got to cope and yeah. we're coping right now. Yeah, yeah, I definitely am drinking more than I did. Like, you know, I'm a pot smoker. Actually, I'm a pot vapor. I don't smoke. Um, but and and that's always been a You're great. Missing out on all the fun. The smoking is the entire. Oh, I used to. <laughs> I missed my bong, but I also almost died of the uh, the H one N one and pneumonia related to that. So that uh, so that's why I'm especially one of the reasons I'm especially like super hyper aware of being safe COVID. this time i yep. was i was in the hospital with h1n1 and, and the resultant antibiotic uh, resistant pneumonia so i almost died then wow. i'm not ready to do it now i like my life i'm gonna keep it thanks yep. uh yep. and luckily for me it is not as difficult to stay home but um but yeah and i've completely forgotten what i was gonna say uh you did your substance is okay oh and yeah do you and... think i'm a pot smoker of course i don't remember what we were talking about um, yeah, so at that point, we, I stopped smoking entirely because my lungs were already super compromised. So, yep. uh, so yeah, anyway, vaping, whatever, but I have been drinking more. Uh, we do have a couple cocktails most evenings, and that is way more than we historically have. And so my husband and I had this conversation like, are we should we try and dial this back? And I'm like, no, you know, we're not like blacking out any <laughs> or, or drinking like 10 cocktails. It's, it's okay. Drink more water. Just this is helping. Uh, if you want to stop, that's fine. But uh, I think it's yeah. okay. I think it's okay if yeah. it's helping. Well, there's there's lines and boundaries, but there's also healthy ways to. I mean, it, you know, it's yeah, difficult yeah. to trust somebody without advice and and pipe smoking and mm, uh, you know, alcohol smoking. here or there sure helps. Yeah. Well, that's um, anyhow. Yeah. Um, well, so <laughs> let's let's look back on the year a little bit we've had a a definitely truncated year of interviewees on this podcast we you know large gaps without anybody as i was trying to maintain mental stability instead of out looking for guests um but also like i'm curious what uh i think you sat down and dug through some things and pulled out some themes you want to talk about a little bit of those uh, yeah. And first of all, I wanted to highlight a couple things um, about our podcast, which is that we uh, recorded our 58th episode previously. This is our 59th episode. Mm -hmm. And also, um, we, we, I think, let me go back and double check, but I was randomly looking at the stats on this and we are now well over 25,000 total downloads. I don't know if that's yeah. great. Like, you know, I'm not super familiar either, with podcast volume. It because, uh, but hey, know. You know, twenty five thousand people, almost, uh, almost um, twenty six thousand people at this point have listened to at least some of our episode. So that's great. I'm yeah. I'm pleased people are hearing. And then if you have listened to us and you would like us to talk about something in particular, find us on Twitter and let us know. Uh, I yep. would be really really happy to hear from you. Um, and, and 
like, comment, and subscribe in iTunes. Uh, apparently, <laughs> that, that that does something for you. Is that you. a thing uh, people say in podcasts? I think it's I think it's the kind of thing that helps you rise up in the rankings on iTunes to get more listenership. So if that's something okay. you care about, go go for that. Yeah, but, please. Uh, yeah. Anyways, please. keep going. We we're you know we're mostly doing this because it's fun for us, but apparently people do also get some value out of it. So we would like to continue to offer that value. Um, uh, so in terms of the themes that I pulled out of this year's uh, podcasts, there were two bigger ones that I'm also one of them in particular. I'm focusing a lot on because I recently read a book about it. But um, the first thing that people have been talking about has been uh, around hiring and around. Uh, the idea that you should hire in a way that is additive to your team versus more of the same. Um, so I definitely enjoyed hearing from um, like the most recent person we spoke to, Gibran Kutik, talked about this uh, a lot as well and, and talked about focusing on what the candidate wants and using that opportunity to coach mm -hmm. them about what might be great for their career and coming to work for you. Uh, and, uh, and my rejoinder has always been, I work for your resume. And I liked, I liked hearing that from someone else in a different way. Uh, and then previously to that, we talked to Tessa Ann Taylor and she also like had a lot to say about this from her own perspective, as well as from hiring the perspective of hiring other people. She would tell a bad job that she was not a culture fit for them because of the way that they were acting and the way that they were not supporting her and you know, raising up her team or, or those kinds of things uh, that, that when you're in a situation where um, you can't, you're not able to help your team for various reasons to change the way that things are going for them, then it's okay to leave because the company isn't disempowering you. It's not, you know, it's not a, it's not a thing you should feel guilty about more, more guilt concerns. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, well, and, and I, what's interesting to me about that um, particularly some of the comments that Gibran made about about that and and thinking about hiring and in the hiring process, um, what's the help you're getting in the hiring? I mean, there are hiring processes where it feels like what's being communicated to you is you want this job, you need to prove right now in this moment in a very strange way that you're good enough for it. And I'm here telling you, you're not unless yeah. you convince me otherwise. Prove it. And, and that ends up being... The work environment at those places is like, hey, I gave you this thing. I don't think you can do it. You're going to succeed here or not, you know, and and it, it can be, I think there's something to the hiring process where, you know, hey, are we in the hiring process trying to help you along, trying to help you succeed, trying to see if you're coachable, all of those things. Now, don't get me wrong. Hiring as a general thing is like, I think going to always be fundamentally broken. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's like dating and you know, you're even with a good process uh, you're going to get things wrong, especially if you have multiple people involved, you're going to have some that are really good at it and some that are terrible at it, but uh, there are ways to do it better. And yeah. uh, some people do it a lot better than others. Well, it definitely it's often like, it's kind of like the, con the, the, the concerns with, you know, the, the overall structure of capitalism, it's, it's motivates, the wrong things are motivated, right? You're set up to start this process by being antagonistic towards the candidates because mm -hmm. you're, and, and I think that's also a culture of a lot of, of startup companies, a lot of tech companies, not necessarily even startup companies that they're that the idea is you have to be better than everyone and you have to always be, you know, able to prove that at all times. And so the, the situation you described where you're like, I'm going to give you this project because I don't think you can do it. 
Um, like there's a way to do that. That is like, I, I think, you know, <laughs> some people are motivated by being told, no, you can't do a thing. Like, I think we've talked sure. to some folks like that and maybe that's great for them, but in, in general, that's going to create an environment where people are like, no, I, I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to do that for you. Or it's always just going to be antagonistic from, from start to finish. That's, that's the culture of the company. So yeah, I think it's possible to change that, but I think that it is highly like sales orgs are motivated in a weird way to, to me, right? It's, they're not motivated to be a good salesperson and treat their customer well, other than in the way that it gets them the deal and then they're done. I don't, yep. you know, that, that structure is great for getting the deal, but it might not be great for the customer satisfaction that results. Um, mm -hmm. And similarly, I think the way that hiring is thought about um, in companies, at least in the US, uh, it doesn't necessarily result in the best outcomes. You, you're motivated to get someone who might seem like they can solve your problems, but you, you're not going to be able to work with them if you're constantly antagonizing them and they you. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> best to to do things in a more holistic way. Best to think about them as well as you and your benefits. You're generally only thinking about that in one way. You know, and, and there's a lot of pressure to hire and do it quickly and just pick the yeah. per, the person that you know for certain, like they're like you. So of course they're going to do the job. Sure. Anyway, sure. there's a lot of that discussion, especially in um, the, the, the top, the two podcasts that I mentioned, the episodes with Tessa and, uh, and Gibran. There's, uh -huh. I want to say one other thing about that, that um, I remember a long time back with, uh, I think it was with Mitchell Hashimoto, him saying, uh, you know, when the company's growing and you go hire the right person for the right role, it's like mind boggling, mm -hmm. you know, having somebody show up who knows exactly what they're doing in this specific thing. And, and so much, you know, my experience was when we were small, you've got a couple generalists that are reasonable at a lot of things. And then when you start to get bigger and bigger and you have more focused, skilled people come in and take over, it is a very big difference. And yeah. uh, there's, um, you know, we, we brought on, uh, we have a new VP of engineering that started even just like two weeks ago. And it's astonishing to me, you know, I was running engineering again for a brief period here. And uh, this person came in and, and took over and it's like, <laughs> within, it's, it's not even been two weeks yet. And uh, she's already so much better at this job, that the sense of shame that I feel at my performance in comparison to hers is the only thing that that maybe outshines the delight that I have that we managed a person who is like that, you know. Um, Congratulations. So it makes a big difference when the additive stuff works out right. You're right. Yeah. And so. you're taking a risk every time. But I think in the aggregate, right, and this is it, you're thinking of each individual situation and I'm trying to make the best hire here, whatever best means. Best often means someone like you, someone you recognize, someone who has the same experience as you. So you can like compare apples to apples. Mm -hmm. But and I think, you know, individually those hires might be good a lot of the time, but in aggregate, maybe not. It's it's a yeah. it's a risk. You're 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 stepping out onto the, you know, into the unknown when you're bringing someone who is additive versus the same. And you're yep. gonna you're gonna get mixed results, I guess. But I think overall the results will be better for the organization as a whole. Yep. Um, so that was that was a, a something that came up multiple times. 
Um, and then the other one, the other main, and is there anything else you wanted to talk about with regards to that? You can keep going. All right. Um, so yeah, the other major theme that I, um, saw in our, in our episodes this year, and that is kind of front of mind for me is the idea of giving up control to get better results. Um, we all know that new managers and experienced managers uh, and many less, you know, more experienced managers because they never learned better feel like they have to hold control at all times. They have to be the one that directs all decisions. They have to be, you know, looking over someone's shoulder. They, and it's more about, you know, being, having lack of faith in yourself a lot of the time. Uh, I remember as a young manager thinking, oh, I cannot show any kind of weakness, any kind of vulnerability because no one will take me seriously. And obviously there are other aspects of that are related to being a woman in tech versus being a man. Hmm. But sure. I think this is an issue for everyone, not just women at some level. Um, but we had uh, Jeremy Bowers, who was the first person that we interviewed in 2020. Uh, he started off right away saying like, I needed to be broken of the idea that I needed to be the technical lead as well as the manager. Mm-hmm. because that's not going to work. And then, then um, at some, we talked to Corey Quinn, <laughs> one of the more hilarious episodes of this year. Uh, and he just right out at the beginning said, the, the higher you rise in an organization, the less direct control you have over to how things get done. And you should get used to that. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, I do There's, like, I do like thinking I, about things that way. I heard somebody say, you know, along these lines, something to the effect of, and I'm not going to get the wording exactly right, and I can't remember who said it, but it was uh, something like, um, every time I give high-level context for what I want, instead of a description of how I want it done, Mm -hmm. I have an opportunity to be delighted. Right. I also mm-hmm. have an opportunity to be super disappointed uh, yeah. because maybe that person's going to go do something not at all what I wanted. But uh, if, you know, if you give a recipe to a cook and say, go make this, you never find out if they're a chef. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you if you tell a chef, I want to eat something that's like this, they have some more flexibility. If you tell a highly skilled chef, I want something delicious. menu. I mean, even not, you know, even super broad, give me something you think is fantastic, like that you're going to get something that's going to be impressive, probably, unless you yeah. don't like it. And let's beat. And <laughs> in January, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but uh, in January, I um, flew to New York for an event that we were putting on, uh, like a round table discussion thing. And it was a super nice swanky hotel, not hotel, restaurant. And they served a beet salad and goodness. Uh, was I not your thing. No, no, no. I went and I had noodles ahead of time because I, I knew it was going to be beets. You uh, enjoy beets? Do you I eat do. beets like, like in place of meat? Like some people use beets as a meaty texture thing. No, you just no, like them. I, I mostly just like them roasted. I will put them in the oven and roast them. So they were probably, I mean, often you'll get them in a can and that's not so good. Like obviously it's going to be better when you have the fresh ingredient to start with. But, uh, but yeah, I like them. Is there a way to do canned beets that you would also enjoy? maybe you could roast them and, and kind of get a little bit of the, cause like beets taste like dirt, right? Is that why you don't like them or is it a texture? They thing? Taste, uh, no, no, it's not the texture. They do taste like dirt. That's, yeah, that's most of like it. The earth. And you, you find, you need to find like some things that bring out other flavors in the beets. Like when I roast them, I put a ton of salt and pepper on them and a lot of olive oil and it kind of brings out more of the sweet taste. 
But again, you know, so you just don't like beets. It's okay. So, <laughs> you don't well, have so to like year, them. I mean, now, oh yeah, I got, we got to go down this tangent for a minute. Okay. Sorry, uh, everyone. This year, I discovered zucchini. I've never yeah. liked zucchini, but the way that I discovered zucchini, I've, you know, I've had it a whole bunch my whole life. I've never liked it. Yeah. I close my eyes and eat it anyways, because I'm a grown ass man. I know it's how to everywhere. eat everywhere. Uh, yeah. But, um, we were somewhere where they grilled them. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it was done being grilled, they just smothered it in Parmesan cheese. Oh, well, yeah. And What's that to like about that? Now it's delicious. <laughs> it's basically just a conduit for Parmesan, but the it's the perfect conduit for Parmesan. And now mm-hmm. I would, I'll take, I'll take zucchini any day if it's covered in Parmesan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would too. I'm not so. a huge fan of zucchini, but I'll eat it. Yeah. Again, it's, it's around a lot and it can be made nice. If you salt it and put enough cheese on it, certainly. The reason it's around a lot is it's easy to grow. And so everybody grows it in their garden and nobody likes it. it. So they're all trying to give it away. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I know because we grow it in our garden and we try to give it away. Um, Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I'm glad that our CSA did not do too much of that because that would have been annoying. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so, so yes, beets are good. Sorry. Uh, You don't have to enjoy them though. It's okay. That's and I'm okay. not going to try and talk you into using sous vide for anything either. It's okay. That's... Or the instant <laughs> pot or what else was like super big this year? Air fryers. Oh, air, air fryers. fryers were huge. Right. Did you get an air fryer? No, we have a, we have a convection mode in our oven. So I just use that. I don't know what that means. What is a convection mode? Uh, it's a, it's, it bl- it's basically what an air fryer is, which is bl- blows a lot of the, it blows the air around in the oven instead of just heating with an element. Oh, okay. I yeah. did not know that was a thing. <laughs> you sound so excited. I'm tired in life. That's why no, I'm yawning. No. I'm not yawning because I'm not interested in I convection. Know. I mean, now I I'm going to go see if my oven has a convection mode. setting. Although yeah. I bet that it does not. Um, but a lot of toaster how, ovens. You can't air fry. That's air frying is like two in one hair conditioner and shampoo. Like it's just not, let's just, let's just all be honest. We're lying to ourselves here. You know, it's not frying if it's air, if you want to call it an air convection thingy. Okay. But it's not frying Mm -hmm. unless there's Mm -hmm. oil. Well, I don't know. I feel like Um, you're supposed to put oil all over the thing, right? I don't know. I don't have an air fryer. I just have a convection oven, but apparently that is just the same. So. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, you're onward to, so, we're talking about uh, the idea of giving up control. How did we get to? Oh, move? yes. Oh, you went on a trip. Right. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. That's a good oh, yeah, no, you I were was talking, talking about, about giving a chef something to do. Yeah. Giving up. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to say something about that, though, because when, what you were it. talking about, I can't believe I remembered what I was going to say. It's amazing. Um, is that uh, when you. Smoke you pot? <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you're telling some like you see when you're doing this sort of thing when you're giving someone a challenge like before we were talking sure. about how this was like an antagonistic thing but this is the right way to give someone a challenge to allow sure. them to rise to the occasion but you have to be judicious about like how much of a challenge it needs to be and so you can't just do this in a vacuum you can't give away your power in a vacuum you need to know you need to have some understanding of what the team is capable of or what the person is capable of you have to have faith in them with, and that takes knowledge to some degree. Um, so yeah, you, you have to you take just, you have yeah, to, there's a risk, the risk. 
for sure. But mm. if you can hire people that you have reason to trust, that helps. Uh, if a person has performed and continued to perform with, you know, like when a person's new, you give them specific direction. When I was 21, I worked for a company that was like, day one, you do this. Day two, you do this. Week six, you do that. Week eight, you do that. I mean, I I needed that shit. I was 21. I didn't know, mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was yeah, yeah. at. Uh, but um you know, when you have somebody who is an adult who knows what they're doing, who's been in this for a while or whatever, I mean, even young, talented, driven people figure stuff out. Uh, it's not um, it's not all, you know, super senior people that succeed at things. Right. But there's there's you start with those things and then you build up trust and then you can give more and more freedom. Um, I think I, if anything, and I think I've shared this before, you know, land a little too much on the side of like, oh, everybody's got, everybody's amazing. We'll just, oh, we'll mm -hmm. give them a thing. They're going to kick the kick ass with it. And I have gotten a lot better at asking. And it was from something somebody shared here. And I want to say it was Dusty Pierce, but I might remember wrong. But it, uh, the, somebody said, you know, to ask, do you have what you need to succeed with that? Mm -hmm. And that has been a big takeaway for me that, you know, hey, when the podcast directly informs my leadership style, woohoo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then I, then I can reimburse the whole thing that costs us nothing, right? And um, so this, this uh, so I was talking about, I'm reading a book. <laughs> yeah, reimburse yeah. yourself. Go for it. It's totally tax deductible, too whatever that means. Um, right. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading this book or actually I just finished it because I am um, working on a book about leadership with one of our former guests. And I'm not going to talk about it any more than that, but uh, the book is called turn the ship around. Uh, and one of the things that, um, that was really front and center in it is this idea of giving away control to get what you want. Uh, and what, what the, what the main thing the person did, which which is what you said, reminded me of, is that they said they wanted their uh, reports to come to them and say, I intend to do X. Rather than asking permission or rather the, them, than them telling the person, you know, their their officer or whatever, what the what to do exactly, they expected them to know what to do. But in that time when you're getting to know each other, uh, or in a in a situation where people are are doing things that are you know critical, like on a nuclear submarine, which is what this uh, book is based in, uh, the the officer would come and say, "I intend to do this," and then that gives you a chance to say or to ask some questions if you need if you have questions, or to just be like, "Yeah, great, go for it," uh, and yeah. then it 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 changes the power balance. Just the words changes the power balance of how you, you know, and the relationship that you have with your team. And I just like it's so simple. But I got a lot out of that, just mm. like thinking about it in terms of how I might apply that to my life. I, I really, I really think it's a worthwhile thing to think about. So anyway. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I intend to do this thing and, and it, it's inviting feedback. Right. And in, when you're in the, le the leadership position, hearing that you're hearing, well, you know, you, you can offer up, well, have you thought about this, this or that? Uh, do you have, you know, maybe this thing would be need. more effective yeah. or that thing? Do you have what you need? Yeah, those kinds of things. But um, that does flip things around. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, I like I liked it a lot. It just seems like a very simple thing. When's the book going to be out oh, next um, week? No, <laughs> no, I do not know when the book is going to be out. We're in pretty early stages, but I'm excited about it. I am. It's really great. I am okay. getting to do like structural editing on a topic that is super interesting to me, which I happen to also co-host a podcast about. And so it seems perfect. Seems perfect. Awesome. 
I'm not even sure where, where we were. Well, like, we got disconnected again because I reached up to my computer was going to die. And so I reached oh, up to right. plug in and then I unplugged the wrong thing. We're having okay. really just technical. We're, we're rusty. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, uh, it doesn't want the year to end. I'm not sure. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to end this, uh, this particular episode talking about an episode. I really got a lot of, I don't know. I don't know about, I don't want to call it value. I don't want to call it maybe pleasure, but uh, we talked with Anthony Grimes this year about uh, his experience and um, of being a leader in a, in a variety of different ways and being an activist. And I just really was taken by how much positivity and inspiration and hope there was in that episode, considering the circumstances of his coming into activism and the year being, you know, a COVID year, Next year's probably yeah. going to be a COVID year too. Now that I think about it, but um, but yeah, I, I recommend if you haven't listened to that episode that you go back and listen to it, um, and and try and also find the joy and the and the potential hopeful future in that. Anthony Grimes. That's the word for me. It's neither pessimistic or pessimistic or optimistic. It's it's hopeful. So I believe that things don't change on their own. Pessimism is a cynical viewpoint that believes that the world is um, going in a bad direction, that the glass is half empty. Optimism, on the other hand, is like this blind belief that things will automatically get better. Hope is this third way that's about um, grappling with this idea that um, we can make change that affects the world that we are in. So everything around me one of the like foundational ways that I see the world and it relates to leadership is that everything around us was at one point done. It can be undone and redone. We can remake things because nothing is stagnant. And so this moment is, is vital for the health of our whole democracy. This is a, you know, America is a big experiment and it's, it had never been done before in the history of the world to take all these different people from, and I'm, I'm skipping over slavery and <laughs> I'm skipping over the genocide yeah. of Native American people. But um, to the extent that America is an experiment to create this nation that is uh, just for all people or aspires to be just for all people, um, it's a relatively new experiment. And so within that framework, there's a lot of potential for remaking and reshifting and stretching this democracy to include more people. So in that way, it's really exciting that we're having these conversations. I've had more text and DMs and messages about people that saw that original trip to Ferguson. And they said, you know, back then I didn't understand like what you were doing or what this was about. And some of these are white folks. These are Korean uh, brothers and sisters. And they say, but now I understand. I get it. It's uh, it took this to open my eyes. And so that's a very affirming place to be. But we have tons of work to do. And my biggest part right now in the movement is more behind the scenes. And it's just been about elevating the conversation. This is not about police getting a few more body cams. It's not about more accountability after someone is murdered. This is largely about um, rethinking how we do policing in our country rethinking violence towards black people. And so the task at hand is is a lot bigger than a lot of people want to admit. 
but um, with with the right amount of work, with the right amount of listening, with the right amount of uh, um, restructuring of power in the right places, I think we can make a huge difference. That's gonna that's gonna make this world look vastly different in twenty years than it did twenty years before. I w- I wish you a a positive year in that way. <laughs> Just uh, take yeah. what you have and do what you can with it. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. That's good. That's a, that's a good leave us with. And um, thank you all for listening to the podcast. And uh, we'll talk right. to you next time. Here's to more people in the future. In 2021, a different year. Different bad year. I don't know.